You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. So the Braves will go from Johnson to hand, and the batter will be Master Boney. It's been a little while since I've done the Yannick Hansen, and I don't know if his voice sounds the same anymore. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kimtech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason is just about in his chair, so I'll hold off. And the introductions for him. I will say good morning to Adog. Good morning, Adog. Good morning. And Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Alfred and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by everythingfinancial.com. Financial freedom awaits, everybody. Book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. We have a big show ahead. It is a Canucks game day. First and foremost, the Canucks, as you may have heard, started the preseason not so great. A 10-0 loss to Calgary. They'll look to bounce back tonight. Yes, Greg? That's that's up for debate. It could have been worse. (laughs) Explain how. (laughs) Could have been 11-0. Nobody's head fell off. That is an important thing. Uh, So the setup for today on Sportsnet 650 is we get under proper. We're doing things proper here as the NHL preseason rolls along from 3 to 5. It's Canucks Central. Five to six, the Canucks pregame show. Then puck drop in Edmonton, six o'clock tonight. And then, of course, from nine to ten, it's the Canucks postgame show. So wall-to-wall Canucks coverage here on Sportsnet 650. Just one of the things that's happening on the program today, on the station today. Uh, our guest list begins at 630. Justin Bourne, Sportsnet NHL analyst is going to join us here on the show. You're going to hear Bourne and Kipper daily beginning the 2nd of October, with their new show, which is going to be an hour of uh, more centralized Fan 590 talk, and then second hour, which is going to air on Sportsnet 650, a national NHL show. So we'll talk to Borny at 6.30 about this and that. We'll do. We'll try and do a more national hit as opposed to something Toronto-centric. 7 o'clock, Ryan Dempster, British Columbia's very own ex Happened last night. His beloved Chicago Cubs, devastating loss. Devastating. You saw it, did you not? Gigantic error in the late stages of that game to cap a six-run blown lead, and they lost to Atlanta 7-6, and then Milwaukee clinched the division courtesy of that loss. So we'll talk to Ryan Dempster about all things MLB at 7 o'clock. 7.30, Mark Spector is going to join us from Edmonton, uh, Sportsnet NHL analyst. We will talk to him about tonight's game, the outlook for the Edmonton Oilers, is it cup or bust in Edmonton this year? We'll talk to Speck about that at 7.30. 8 o'clock, Nick Shook, our NFL insider from NFL.com, is going to join us. We are one day away from the start of the new NFL week. Thursday Night Football, classic uh, NFC Norris division. Yeah, NFC Norris division matchup between the Lions and the Packers to kick off on Thursday Night Football. So working. Oh, and we got tickets to give away too, right, A-Dog? Can you re- refresh my memory here? 
It's for Saturday's game, right? Yes, Saturday versus the Oilers, so that's what we learned. Ticket emoji, you know the drill. We're giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Oilers on Saturday. Hashtag it WWL. Text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. We will be collecting them throughout the show. Here's the key. Make sure you add a ticket emoji into your text. That will enter you into the grand prize draw to win a pair of tickets to see the Canucks uh, play the Oilers on Saturday. Good morning, Jason. Good morning. How are you? Uh, it was my first sleep in of the day of the of the year. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It is okay. You made it in pretty quick. Yeah, actually. yeah, I did. I uh, set a uh, land speed record coming here. <laughs> I broke many laws on the way to work this morning, <laughs> but it's fine because there's barely anybody on the road. How prepped are you right now? Are you ready to do uh, a, a studio read about Kintech footwear and orthotics? Because we haven't always mentioned, ready. We haven't always mentioned the 2,500 ready. five-star Google reviews yet. Well, we are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews, find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. We had the wide shot on the stream. Mm-hmm. How'd you look? To start? Wide? Wide. <laughs> and It was really wide. I also, I had to, I had to clean up the, sw- it's squalor that I live squalor, in. Squalor, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah the second the camera cut to Halford, it was like Lenny in his house. <laughs> Don't tell anyone how I live. I actually got a clip of Bruff coming into work this morning, breaking that land speed record. I don't see it. It's not illegal. <laughs> was that when he was trying to get to Krusty Burger for breakfast? No, that's when he's trying to get to class. He's a teacher. Remember? Oh, yeah, right. We can do that? <laughs> <laughs> Every, it's okay. I'm a teacher. So working in reverse. <laughs> on the guest- it's okay. I'm in radio. <laughs> yeah. Although I'm not technically on the air right yeah. now because I'm racing to the stadium. Guys, I'm allowed to break laws. It's sports radio. It's true. The stakes and the could... Canucks have a preseason game tonight. Oh, dear Lord. Let them go. Let them go. <laughs> the stakes could literally not be higher. The officers, like, I understand. Police son. escort. Get to work. Okay, so working in reverse on the guest list. 8 o'clock, it's Nick Shook. 7.30, it's Mark Spector. 7 o'clock, it's Ryan Dempster. 6.30, it's Justin Bourne. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Uh, very appropriate for a Canucks game day that we're going to do a lot of Canucks talk and a lot of look ahead to tonight's game. Of course, Mark Spector is going to join us at 7.30. So yesterday, the Canucks practiced ahead of the aforementioned game against the Oilers, and there were some pretty noteworthy takeaways, both from the pra- practice itself and then what head coach Rick Tockett had to say in the aftermath. They laughed at Jason Bruff mm-hmm. a while ago when he suggested that Noah Juleson could start as Quinn Hughes' defensive partner for when the regular season opens. Now they're laughing even more because Cole McWard's getting a shot at it. (laughs) Yeah, Cole McWard was uh, skating with Quinn Hughes yesterday, and Tockett said that he really likes McWard and thinks he has a bright future with the Canucks. He actually made the comparison to John Marino in Pittsburgh, who Tockett said came out of nowhere which is apparently is what uh, Tockett calls Harvard now. I was going to say, it's um, one of the most prestigious schools in America. Well, John Marino, John Marino was originally uh, an Oilers draft pick, but like a late draft pick, a fifth or sixth round. Yep. 
Um, I can't, was he maybe just not going to sign with the Oilers? Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he wanted no part of the organization. Right. He wanted okay. to, like many Harvard players, mm-hmm. he wanted to call his own shot. Exactly. Yeah, he understood that happens. the system. So um, anyway, he he went to the Penguins and he never even played any AHL. I think he just stepped right in and uh, and Tockett said, "Look, I'm not necessarily saying this is going to happen with." McWard, but he said like there are good stories sometimes, right? And what he meant by that is a guy that most people had never heard of. I mean, how many people around the league do you think have heard of Cole McWard? And now there is a non-zero chance that he might start the season with one of the best defensemen in the NHL. And the reason why is because of the lack of great candidates to play with Quinn Hughes. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to play Philip Peronic with him because they want him on the second pair. They want to spread the talent out. I don't think Tyler Myers is the best fit stylistically with Quinn Hughes. And then you get over to the left shots, and the problem with if you're left shot at all is that Rick Tockett has said, I'm a lefty-righty guy. So he's going to give every right-shot defenseman who apparently isn't Tyler Myers or Philip Peronic, yeah. a chance with Quinn Hughes. Um, Noah Juleson at least played a bunch with Quinn Hughes last season. Cole McWard. The, we, I, okay. I, I mean, I'd be surprised if it starts this way, but I think what it shows is that Rick Tockett really wants a right-shot guy to play with Quinn Hughes and – He's willing to at least try it with Cole McWard. Well, see, what I think it shows is a team that is all ready to step on the gas and get off to that great start and do all the right things to try and make the playoffs, but doesn't exactly have the perfect roster. And by perfect, I mean not even really close to the right roster. You know you know when you, you meet someone, and or maybe it's a young couple, and they, they, they've gotten engaged, and they're doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. They've got a, a mortgage on a place, and they're ready, they're ready to move forward, right? They're ready to start their lives together. And you're like, yeah, you're not quite ready for this yet. <laughs> you might just want to take a step back. Go see other people or do something. But, right. Because right, right now, it's not, it, no, no NHL roster is perfect, I would say. Everything's got its holes, and you can poke holes in anything. Mm, sure. But with this one right now, Mikheyev... Not ready to go, and suddenly you're looking at a potential top six winger where you're like, I'm not sure a playoff yeah. team has that particular guy in there. Phil DiGiuseppe, eh, in the top six. And okay. It's, and it's not a huge problem. DiGiuseppe's a nice player, and he can probably play in a pinch. But then you say, well, what about your first defensive pairing? And like, well, we got Quinn Hughes. That's that's great. Who's he playing with? And they're like, you've never heard of him before. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he, he sounds like a Scottish NASCAR driver. And then you're hoping that said NASCAR driver <laughs> from Scotland wor- works out, but there's a overwhelming risk that it doesn't because Cole McWard has zero NHL experience. So in the grand scheme of things, it's fair to say that, yeah, you guys are going to hyper scrutinize and analyze all of these very small lineup positions. Because again, I don't think it's small. The stakes, I don't think it's small. The stakes could not be higher. Yeah. And there is a real, real urgency, not just to get this team in the playoffs this year, but get off to a good start. So McKayev missing a little bit of time is a story. The Canucks not having that first D pair sorted out with about two and a half weeks to go is a story. Mm-hmm. All of these things matter. So speaking of McKayev, McKayev was at practice yesterday, and he was wearing a red jersey, which showed his spot with 
um, if he was healthy, he'd be skating with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. Um, Hoaglander filled in kind of for him because Mikheyev left the practice early. He didn't do he didn't participate in line rushes. Now Rick Tockett said afterwards that he was quite pleased with how Mikheyev was um, recovering from this offseason surgery. He said his skating test went well. And then he was asked for a status update, and he was like, I don't know, day-to-day or a week? And he said, I'm not quite sure yet. Um, I don't know if he's going to be ready for the first game of the season. And I think the overall big-picture question that I have is, even if he is ready, how effective is he going to be? Right. Because Mikheyev's like the biggest thing with Mikheyev. And I really do want to um, hammer this home. When McKeev was with Toronto, that dude was so fast. Yep. He was – the first time I ever saw him, I actually didn't know, like, what his story was, and I was just having to be watching a Leafs game. Not particularly, like, I wasn't sitting there, like, studying the Leafs game like I'd be watching a Canucks game. But all of a sudden, this, like, blue and white flash crossed across my screen. I was like, who, who the hell is that? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, I had, of course, heard that the Leafs had signed some guy out of Russia. Um, but it was McCabe. And I was like, that dude is fast. That guy is a rocket. Mm-hmm. And, um, then he got, and then I was like, you know, I, I kept on following his, his career in Toronto. And I was like, he needs more opportunity. And I knew that he had some injuries in Toronto. And then the Leafs fans would push back. He's like, yeah, you know, we all thought that when we first saw him, too. And, like, he can't put the puck in the net, right? Anyway, the Canucks eventually signed him, and I knew he was going to get more opportunity in Vancouver. But when I first saw him in Vancouver, I was kind of like, hey, he's fast, but he's not as fast as I remember. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we remember the injury that he had in training camp and the fact that he was playing on a yeah. pretty screwed-up knee, right? So one of I thought McKay had played well last year, by the way. And, and if he can play at that level, I guess I'm fine with it. But I want to see the real speed that I saw him play with in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if I, I don't know if he's going to get there. Uh, elsewhere in the lineup, Dakota Joshua. You became the main character br- briefly on Tuesday. Uh, following practice, Rick Tockett threw down the gauntlet of sorts for a guy that, honestly, I had to go back and look. He was an every-nighter for the Canucks last year. It was 79 games, 11 goals. One of the brighter stories from last year, and there were a lot of downers in last year. And Joshua making the team, being a contributing member, and playing almost on a near-nightly basis, you would have figured that, yeah, he's got an inside track, if not a lock, on one of a job for this season. Then Rick Tockett spoke. Yes, we got the audio here, laddie. Let's hear now from the Canucks head coach on Dakota Joshua following what's been a less-than-stellar preseason thus far. Dakota, you know, he's got to pick it up. You know, that that's quite frankly, you know, I'm not going to get into some other factors, but he has to, he's got to try to win a job. The job's not there. There's guys breathing down that want jobs. And whether it's a message or not, he's, you know, and it's, there's a lot of other factors that I'm not going to get into. But yeah, he's got to pick it up. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm laughing when talk, it's talking about, uh, you know, this, he doesn't have a job for sure. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I think he's got a pretty good chance, and that's why Tockett's so frustrated, right? Yeah. He knows what his lineup is. Mm-hmm. He know, he looks at his lineup. He's like, wow, we don't have a ton of size and toughness up front, do we? Yeah, I mean, like it, he needs Dakota Joshua to get going. And he played well. And Joshua played well last year. 
It was a good for what they invested and what they paid. The returns were eleven goals and twenty three points in seventy nine games. I wonder if his fitness testing didn't go well. Possibly. This is pure speculation on my part. Yeah. Vancouver media, it was honestly, the first thing I thought too. Irresponsibly bringing this sort of stuff up, but when Taka talks about there's other factors and he's got to pick it up, and he's already ripping Dakota Joshua, mm-hmm. right? Like, what does that tell you? Like that tell that tells me that there's more than just like, wow, I noticed you weren't that great on that drill we did in practice, right? Yeah, there's more to it. Then maybe a little sluggish play. There, there might be a little more heft that Tockett has. Well, I this. think if you want to uh, explore this topic a little bit further, it is worth noting that yet again, Rick Tockett, in praising certain individuals through training camp, has talked about things like coming into camp in the best shape ever. One of our top three workers. That was what he was talking about with Nils Amon. Uh, there was a very glowing piece Courtesy of Sportsnet, uh, Sportsnet.ca's Ian McIntyre yesterday talking about Nils Hoaglander. And in talking mm-hmm. about Hoaglander, both iMac and quotes from Tockett, what did they say? Talking about how he's picked up his game, how he's playing with an edge and an intensity, how he's got the fitness, how he's a tireless worker. It's going to be a recurring theme for anyone that doesn't necessarily bring that, but within the context of do you stack up to the rest of your teammates, mm-hmm. that's where the bar comes in, yeah. right? Because then you can fall back on, hey, as a group, we're trying to accomplish something here, and we won't accomplish it as a group if everybody isn't pulling the rope in the same direction. So Phil DiGiuseppe was a top six forward, replacing Pod Colson on the line with Besser and Miller. Um, I think most Canucks fans that watch DiGiuseppe play go, I like that player. He works hard. Right, he's willing to win board battles, and he's a good penalty killer. And Rick Tockett likes him for a reason. Right, he plays the system. He's a responsible player. He's also Phil DiGiuseppe, and we're talking about Phil DiGiuseppe in a top six role. Ideally, you want him on the third or fourth line. Yeah, but right now with the injury to Mikheyev, um, what you might be able to do if Mikheyev was healthy is you put a guy like, I don't know, Beauvillier with Miller and Besser. Mm-hmm. I actually hadn't, I, I was thinking about this. If McKiv was going to play with Pedersen and Kuzmenko, and by the way, I like him personally. I'd like to see him personally on a, on a line with Miller and Besser because okay. I think he would bring some speed to that line. Okay. And I think if you put Phil DiGiuseppe, Miller, and Besser together, all of a sudden you're looking at that line and going, hmm, that could be a heavy line, I suppose, but I don't know if there's much speed on that line. There's not. Right? It's, it's definitely not going to be like a speed hole type line. Yeah, right? Phil DiGiuseppe yeah. and Besser on the wings. Yeah. Like Miller is, uh, I don't know, he's a, he's he's not he's not dreadfully slow, but he's not a burner. No. I, and I think this is just this is just a conversation that we can have. Like you talked about no NHL roster is perfect. And I think, you know what I immediately thought of when you said that? I was like, yeah, like even Colorado, like we'll see if Ryan Johansson can hold down the 2C spot Mm -hmm. in Colorado, things like that. But we're talking about the Canucks here, and we've got the top two lines, and uh, we've got the pairs, Miller and Besser, and we've got uh, Kuzmenko and Pedersen. But the wingers there, massive question mark. Sure. Massive wild card. And you could say, well, maybe Beauvillier works on one of them. And you could say, fine, okay, Beauvillier on one of them. Who's going to be the other one if Mikheyev isn't healthy? 
you could bring up Garland, but then all of a sudden, what does your third line look like? A lot of things that the, the, the reporters are kind of saying under their breath to right now. What happens if the Canucks get one more injury, a right. key injury? All of a sudden, then you're going like, wow. Yeah, and there, yeah. there are depth. There are depth concerns right here. They need one of these young players or one of these no-name players to come out and be a good story. And for the people that were like, you guys are making too big a deal out of Pod Colson, right? The reason we're talking about Pod Colson, and we don't like ripping Pod Colson, Tockett said yesterday that like the guy's working his butt off. He's almost just trying too hard right now. And we can always, we can even feel like we can project our own feelings onto Pod Colson, right? Like we can, we, we know what he's going through right now. He's lacking confidence. But the reason that can't fly under the radar, the reason we can't just be like, hey, don't worry about it, is because of the depth issues that the Canucks have. They need some of these young guys to step up and play a role. It's time for them. The hockey team needs them to be NHL players. And right now, Pod Colson doesn't look like one. And which is why we're giving some good love to Nils Hoaglander right now. Like he's come out, he wasn't perfect in that 10 nothing loss. Nobody was. But he's at least showing enthusiasm and going, okay, maybe, maybe you can be part of the solution here because there are problems to solve. Uh, unsigned text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. A reminder, if you want to win tickets to see the Canucks and Oilers play on Saturday, we're giving away a pair today. Hashtag it WWL and add the ticket emoji. Tell us what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. Uh, text in to the Dunbar Lumber text line here. When is Ethan Bear back for Quinn Hughes? Well, I don't know necessarily about the Hughes part of it, but uh, from Elliot Friedman's 32 Thoughts yesterday, some news on Ethan Bear. He is indeed skating right here in British Columbia, although be it in Kelowna. Uh, there is interest from the Canucks, he added, but... Any chance of Bear returning wouldn't be until around Christmas because of that shoulder injury that he suffered at the World Hockey Championships. Now, in terms of Ethan Bear, because a lot of people said what an unfortunate situation, he got hurt while he was in the middle of trying to negotiate a new contract. Uh, reportedly, the agent, Jason Davidson, secured an insurance package that pays Bear $3 million this season. So there's no gigantic rush for him to get back and sign a deal because he's out of work and out of money, right? Yeah, so there's like, that. Ah. So hopefully for the Canucks, if they can play this right and Bear can play it right and everything works on the right trajectory, he could be a member of the team further down the line, maybe at a reduced rate, maybe mm -hmm. he gives them a lift, maybe it's like one of those trade deadline acquisitions that isn't necessarily a trade, but that's the outlook for Bear, according to Freed from 32 Thoughts yesterday. Also from 32 Thoughts, Freed took note of the Dakota Joshua situation and made it one of his points of emphasis because it's going to be a thing where you can't have any passengers. That's going to be the story going forward for the Canucks. Can't have any guys not doing the work. You can't have any guys not putting in the effort. You can't have any guys lagging behind, be it fitness or otherwise. Because things really get underway tonight. I know it's still the exhibition season, but we're going to get a better and more veteran Canucks lineup. And they're probably going to be playing against an Edmonton team that's going to have McDavid and Dreisaitl. And that's going to be interesting mm -hmm. because, as we saw from the other Alberta team, apparently veterans take the preseason seriously now when they're in there. They want to score goals. They want to blow out <laughs> the other team. You know, it's McDavid and Dreisaitl's first chance to get out there and get a twirl together. Yeah, I think very interesting to watch. I think there will be more Canuck veterans, obviously, than there was in Calgary on Hard Sunday. Hard to have less Canuck um, veterans. 
But Tockett suggested that these next two games, and both of them are on the road, um, next one in Seattle, are still going to have some of the quote-unquote other guys sprinkled in there. And then games four through six, all of them at home, two of them at Rogers Arena and one of them out in Abbotsford, he he said, like, basically we'll have our lineup then. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if that meant in his head he'll have his lineup or they're going to play the last three games of the preseason as if they were real NHL games. I'm not sure what he meant by that. But it just makes sense, right? And he, and he said, and he said, like this was how we planned it, mm-hmm. right? So it's all part of the plan, Jason. Yeah, it's but, all part of the plan. But I think it also says something that, like, he's talking about the preseason plan. I'm sure every NHL coach has like a preseason plan, but it feels like it was probably like more important for them to have a plan for this particular preseason. You mean like given what happened last preseason? Given what happened last preseason, and also what happened. Um, at the start of the regular season, the Canucks want to come in like clicking, right? They don't want to be like, well, this is our first full lineup together. Let's see how it goes. This is this game matters. That's a good point too, right? You don't just want to be like, hey, look, here's another guy playing on the top line and the second line that hasn't been yeah. there all preseason. They like, want to have things locked away. Even things like line changes they've been talking about, like our line changes have to be good. Well, it helps when you know what the lines are, yeah, right? And you know everyone's role. You know who's on the PK, who's on the power play, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we're going to see a more buttoned-up Canucks lineup. There might be a couple roster battles, here and there, but um, I think you're going to see a more uh, buttoned-up Canucks lineup for the final three games of the of the preseason. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you you're get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. 7.31 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Folks, we spoke with Ryan Dempster. All is well. Just had a hiccup that prevented him from coming on the show. He sends his apologies to all of British Columbia. Well, I'm just amplifying that. He mostly apologized to us. But he did say he owes us one, and we'll get him back on the show. Maybe we'll do a MLB playoff preview with Ryan Dempster. Or we, you know, if he owes us one, get a loan. Some Cubs tickets. (laughs) Assuming the Cubs make the playoffs. That's no guarantee. Big race in the NL. Okay. Uh, We are in Hour 2 of the program. Hour 2 is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. Uh, This afternoon and this evening, we are wall-to-wall with Canucks coverage as the Canucks take on the Oilers in Edmonton for their second preseason game. Joining us now to talk about those Oilers, Mark Spector here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Spec. How are you? I'm doing great, boys. How are you guys doing? Uh, we are. We want to know how well the Edmonton Oilers are doing because it certainly seems like, from afar, this is a team that has one single solitary goal this season, and that is win the Stanley Cup. Now, every team has this goal, but the Oilers, well, you know, they have two of the three maybe best players in the world right now, so they've got a legitimate shot at doing this. They've also got the fuel from last season's loss to Vegas in the playoffs. Can you let our listeners know just how much that defeat to Vegas has hung over these players and this franchise and how much fire it's given them for this season? 
Yeah, you know what? I, I've one of the questions I've asked a, a bunch of different guys this this fall here is: Do you think that you were closer to a Stanley Cup two years ago when you went to the Western Conference Final and lost four nothing to Colorado, or were you closer to a Stanley Cup last year when the Oilers only won one round? Good question. The second round. Yeah, every almost well, every guy, frankly, had said, "Oh no, no, last year." We feel like we were close to a Stanley Cup last year. And they really, you know, they had the Vegas series in control. Uh, it's let's go to game five. It's 2 2 there. Um, wait a second now. That's right. Game five. So it's in Vegas. It's 2 2 in the series. It's 2 1 in the game for the Oilers. There's like six minutes left in the second period. Things are going pretty good. They're up. And they end up going to the third period down by two goals. Mm-hmm. There's a three-goal explosion by Vegas. Eminent takes some penalties. The Bucks going in. And it's one of those windows, one of those moments where they, where they cracked, right? Where they, they didn't have what it took, right, to stem that tide. You guys, have been, if anyone who's been in Vegas knows what the crowd's like there, the momentum swings in Vegas are one of the biggest in the league because their crowd is so crazy. It's such a loud building. But they all look back and go, you know what? We failed that little test, and that's one of the tests that defines the Stanley Cup champion, and they didn't have the right stuff And at that time, and they think that um, hopefully they will the next time. They believe they will. Um, is the roster much different, or are they just expecting things to be different because they've learned their lessons? Yeah, the roster's never going to be much different, right? It's It's... You know, the way the cap works is you get good players and you sign them. So there's like two jobs open here. And one of them, we'll talk about Brandon Sutter mm-hmm. after in a moment. But uh, no, the roster's not going to be much different. At the trade deadline, can they, you know, do they have the wherewithal to make one trade and bring in, you know, rental? Yeah, they do and they will. But at this moment, if you're asking me, the roster is much different from, you know, the game six loss against Vegas last year to, to opening night this season, no, roster's not much different at all. Um, how much urgency is there or should there be considering, I don't think McDavid and Drysaddle, you can't say they're getting old, but guys like Zach Hyman, Evander Kane, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, those guys are getting older now. Yeah, it starts. it's starting to start with a three for those right. guys, their ages, for sure. Uh, but, you know, so that means that they are, it's time. You know, not only are they experienced NHL players, they're experienced playoff players now. They've all had a bunch of playoff series. They're, you know, I think, you know, find me a, a team full of 25-year-olds that ever want to stand a cup, right? Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't. I, I watched a young team in Edmonton where everyone always bragged about, oh, boy, those young Oilers, they're sure great. And they never won jack, you know, when it counted. So, sure, there's some guys... In their, th- you know, or young thirties, yes, there are. Does that mean they're better? Have a better chance of winning a Stanley Cup? Yes, it does, in my opinion. Speck, who do you think McDavid compares himself to? Because we were talking uh, in the last segment, and we were just we threw out the question: What is the biggest game that McDavid has ever played? And you right. know, it's like it's a conference final game or something yep. in the second round of, of of the playoffs, and then you look at Sid and. 
how he won a cup early and he won a gold medal in the Olympics. McDavid's been kind of frozen out of real international competition. You go back to Gretzky and Lemieux. Lemieux was 20 or 21 years old in the 1987 Canada Cup. Gretzky won Stanley Cups early and internationally had success. Like, Who do you think McDavid compares himself to? And do you think that drives him? Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> like, drives him? <laughs> it only drives him. Um, yeah, he is, you know, he's fully aware that unless he wins Stanley Cups, he can't compare himself to any of those guys. You know, if he was on, if this was a party line here and he was on the other phone, he would say, I can't, you know, I know the kid a little bit, not really personally, but I know him pretty well. He is fully aware that he needs to win Stanley Cups to be in the same conversation with Sid Crosby. Mm-hmm. It's not about Art Rosses and Hearts. He's got a handful of both of those. And he is, you know, I hope, I know it's a cliche, everybody's driven and everybody wants to win. But this guy's the best player in the world by some measure. And I'm not sure that I've seen a guy more driven for team success, even though individual success comes to him like, you know, he's, it's just, it comes to him. So no, no, he's, it's about winning for this guy. It's absolutely criminal that he hasn't put on a team Canada jersey terrible. since the world Terrible, juniors. terrible, it's infuriating, criminal, infuriating. Right? Yep. Freaking criminal. So he hasn't played a shift with Sid Crosby, mm-hmm. whereas Gretzky and Lemieux got together every second summer. Yeah. You know, so, and that's obviously no fault of Conor McDavid. You can't blame him for it. And it's that part also quietly infuriates him. He knows his career is past and he's 27. He hasn't played, he hasn't worn a Team Canada jersey yet. Yeah. So he knows that and that makes him sour, I'm sure. But uh, no, no, it's about winning cups. Make no mistake. This guy isn't one who's saying, well, I won the heart. I had my guy. He's not that guy at all. That's quite a responsibility for Ken Holland as well. Well, to build a good team around great yeah. players, sure it is. But yeah. I think that, you know, I guess I'd say to you that he showed up here. This is his fifth season, and he showed up here. I don't need to, to explain to people in Vancouver what a train wreck the orders were for so many years. You know, all these first overall picks, they never did anything with them. Uh, since Ken Holland's come here, I think they've turned into a legitimate hockey team. They, for sure. You know. Not every single move has been pristine. Let's face it, every GM has their missteps. Would he sign Jack Campbell again? No, he wouldn't. But, you know, stuff happens, right? Uh, but in the end, he's got a pretty good team here. He's built in four seasons. He's built, a, you know, a, a genuine Stanley Cup contender. Will they win? I don't know if they'll win, you guys. Or, you know, or is everyone going to get hurt in the first round? <laughs> I can't tell you that. But I think we would all agree, and all the listeners, even if you hate the Oilers, they're a genuine Stanley Cup contender. They're one of about four or five teams that you could absolutely see winning a Stanley Cup this year. That's fair, isn't it? For sure, yeah. I, well, I thought they were going to win the Stanley Cup, like, I don't know, in after game four of the Vegas series. <laughs> they just yeah, fell right. apart, right? Like, I thought they were going to do it. and right. um, But I also think that that series maybe might tell us a little bit something about some of the question marks going forward, like goaltending, the blue line, but also maybe just the overall 
DNA of the team? Is it too reliant on, for example, the power play? If they are in a tight, low-scoring game, do they have the ability to shut it down and win those grinding type of games that you have to win in the playoffs? That's, that's exactly what needs to happen. If they crack the nut that you just described, they will win the Stanley Cup, right? You just, you just nailed it. You know, when you're, when you're leading 2-1 on the road, can you make it stand up? Do you need four to win every night? Because in the playoffs, you don't get to four every night, even when you got McDavid and Drysaddle. Can you win when you don't get any power plays? You know, that because some that night's coming in the playoffs where it doesn't matter how many times they haul down McDavid or Drysaddle or whomever, you just don't get the call, right? And can you win that game? You know, the... The dry side made a good point earlier. He said, we're probably the best team in the league at going out and winning a game and just pulling away from people. And I'm kind of paraphrasing them, but that, you know, just taking a hockey game and walking away with it. I'm not sure there's a more offensively powerful team in hockey. He says, we might be the worst team in the league at finding a way to lose a game that we could have hung on to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that's, you described it, right? Yeah. When a few breaks don't go your way, when you don't get the calls, when, you know, in terms of goaltending too, I want to say to you, look at all the goalies that have won the Matt Murray's and the Aiden Hills and the anti Emmys. To me, it, it's less about, I think they've got enough goaltending if they play better in front of them. You know, I think they've got, they've got a guy that's as good as Aiden Hill Right, they've got a guy that's as good as Anti Niemi ever was, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to play better in front. You got to give that guy a little easier save, a little easier night once in a while, and and give him a chance to turn into Aiden Hill, maybe. We are speaking to Sportsnet Oilers insider Mark Spector here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. A reminder. Uh, enveloping tonight's Canucks Oilers game. We have Canucks Central at 3 o'clock. Pre-game show starts at 5. Broadcast kit kicks off at 6. And then the post-game show at 9. So this is your home for the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Hey, Spec, speaking of the Canucks, Brandon Sutter making a statement with the Oilers right now. Came in on a PTO auditioning for that center gig. How's Brandon Sutter been? Well, I've only seen him play. Uh, he's played, I think, only one game. He has only played one game. And he was just fine. You know, you guys watch Brandon Sutter. He's not a guy that's going to take you out of your chair. That's not what he does. Here in Edmonton, he's a fourth. He's going to be, if he makes this team and if he's, you know, if he gets signed, he's on a PTO, he's a fourth line center. They want nine minutes a night out of this guy. So, you know what, as Ken Holland said, if he's anything close to the, to the 29-year-old, I mean, what is he, 30, is he 34, I think. Yeah. If he's anything close to the 30-year-old Brandon Sutter, he's exactly what the Oilers need. So it's, it's about the long COVID, right? The, the bad news is he hasn't played for two years because he's had long COVID. The good news is his body has not played for two years, and he's always had injury issues, right? So if, this, if Brandon Sutter can be healthy, he'll make this team. He'll be their fourth-line center. He's 6'3". He's a right-hand shot. He wins face-offs. All you need out of him this season is 10 goals as a fourth-line center. You don't need 20. Uh, so he works here, right? He's not a second-line center. He's not even a third-line center. Mm-hmm. Can he make the team? It's about his health. I mean, if he's healthy, he'll make the team. Well, two things about Sutter, and I'm sure you know yeah. this, but like, he's a legit, very good penalty killer. And yes. If you've seen the Canucks penalty kill over the last two years, there was some relationship to Brandon Sutter not being on it because it's been horrible, and they really did miss him. 
The other thing, and I'm obviously not in the room, but I hear things about the room. He's a very popular player. He was a very popular player with the Canucks. So you can probably always use guys that can kill penalties and are good in the room. Um, what win is face-offs, he... right-hand shot. Yeah. I like, I mean, the Canucks still guy. don't have a right-shot guy that can win face-offs when they need it. Like, you know, it's one of the things that's kind of missing from their lineup. But what has he told you about how he's feeling? Because that must have been incredibly frustrating to be a professional athlete um, with the abilities that he's got just being a professional athlete and just not being able to play. Yeah, and not being able to breathe and work out. You know, he said that it was horrible, but I, w- I lived for two years with a shortness of breath. You know, and this That's guy's horrible. an elite yeah. National Hockey League athlete that's used to jumping on the bike and getting his workouts in and skating, and he couldn't even do any of that. So, you know, long COVID's weird. Like, we've only had, I mean, COVID started in what, 2020? It's only 2023, All right? Maybe 2019, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like we have this long history of medical research on what is long COVID, how does it work, what does it do to you? Like, he, he didn't know what the hell was wrong with him. It turns out it's, it's, you don't have COVID anymore. It's how your immune system dealt with COVID when you used to have it. And his immune system was hopefully not permanently, but it certainly was damaged for a period of, you know, like almost two years. And he said, this summer, I finally felt right. And he finally started working out. He said, in July, he says, I'm going to start working out like I used to work out when I was trying out for an NHL team. And he started, and he did it for a month. And, in, and then in August, he said to his agent, he said, hey, I think I can do this. Go find me a job. So they got him a PTO in Edmonton, and here he is. So, uh, you know, he's just, you got to cheer for the story, right? you got to love a guy that's that's gone through this adversity. He's coming out the other end. There can't be a lot left in Brandon Sutter's career. But you know what? You and I and, and the three of us might be sitting on the phone here sometime in May talking about an Oilers team that kills a better penalty, that protects a better lead, right, that wins a face-off when it needs to. And Brandon Sutter's a huge part of that come May and June, maybe. Let's see. And if that's the case, I think it'd probably be a pretty cool story, right? Yeah, it would be. And, you know, Sutter is auditioning for one of, as you mentioned earlier, the few jobs available on what appears to be a pretty set roster in Edmonton. Who else should we be keeping an eye on here? Because I know you wrote about a couple of young guys that are making uh, a name for themselves, trying to break in in some way, shape, or form to that Oilers lineup. Yeah, there's a couple guys. They've got a young Swedish defenseman that I've always kind of liked named Broberg, uh, Philip Broberg. But you know what? He hadn't got much done here. Uh, he's 23 now, and it, this is his time. He's on a team that doesn't have any patience. Like, you know, it's about winning today. So he's going to get a shot to, you know, he, he skates beautifully. He's six foot three. I look at the player and I think this guy's got to play. But you know what? He hasn't done anything yet that made me think he's an NHL defenseman. So it's going to be on him. I think they're going to give him some time with Ekholm on the point this year early on to prove that he can play and help this team. And if it, it doesn't go his way, uh, they'll replace him they'll find a veteran guy and they'll replace him because this isn't a place now where young players are learning the game anymore, right? Uh, those days are gone for a little while in Edmonton. So that's one guy. Uh, they got another draft pick too, who's all of a sudden waiver eligible. And his name is Raphael Lavoie. I don't know how good he is. He scored 25 in the minors last year. And most teams that say, great, let's develop this guy. But there's really no room on this team for him. They got better right wingers. So if he doesn't make the team, he's going through waivers, might get picked up and, you know what? After that, guys, those are sort of the, the two between Sutter, Lavoie, and Broberg. 
Uh, and I know people in Vancouver don't care much about most of those names because they're just bit parts here. <laughs> but that's what we are in Edmonton, right? It's, yeah. it's all the top nine is set. The, the five of the top six of the fence are set, and the two goalies are set. This training camp will get in shape. It's really not that much about jobs. They've added Connor Brown here. How about him? Yep. Coming off an ACL, right? Uh, let's see if he helps. I think he should. Spec, thanks for doing this today, bud. We appreciate it. Enjoy the game tonight. All right, boys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming Spec. That's uh, Mark Spector, Sportsnet NHL analyst, Edmonton Oilers insider here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. So I think we can all agree that the Edmonton Oilers, even if you're not cheering for them, are a compelling team. Yep. For me, they've replaced the Toronto Maple Leafs as the most compelling team in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Now, I do kind of feel like the Leafs' window has is starting to close, and I don't like their blue line. Uh, some of their core four, like John Tavares, are not as impactful as they I'm just were. Kind of tired a couple of, of years. It's the same thing. Uh, yeah, it's but the same I wonder. Guy, but, yeah, they got a new GM. <laughs> but I wonder if this will be the life. year. This will be the year that like they fly under the radar and then they actually do something. But sure. I don't think so. Right? Sound like a Leafs fan, bro. Wake me up when the playoffs start with the Leafs. Well, I just think that like the same kind of thing happened to the Washington Capitals. But I don't know. Like if like if you look back at that Capitals run, like they had their window, their two year window that their GM said, and they missed it, mm-hmm. and then they came back, and the one thing that they got was a crazy performance from Kuznetsov. Do you remember? Like he won the Consmite. So do the Leafs have anyone? Don't look so confused. He won the Consmite. He do the Leafs have anyone that can provide something like that? Like this young? I don't think they do. Right, this player that can it's give dangerous. them okay, look, I the know found the Le- money, like you didn't really expect him to play at the level that he did. I don't think the Leafs have that. Is there anyone? Is there another team in the league that is as interesting and there's going to be as much pressure on as we think there is going to be for the Edmonton Oilers? Okay, one Ovechkin won the Smythe. He one. did. Yeah. I thought Kuznetsov won. Ah, oh, man. I was so arrogant, too. No, it's okay. Um, You're like, you don't need to check Pretty that. much par for the course at this point. Yeah. Um, well, Kuznetsov deserved to win it, then. Toronto is dangerous. <laughs> the, the Washington comparison's great because it's yeah. historical and it happened, but it's dangerous to think that it's going to replicate because the situations are... <laughs> suffers and struggles and then kind of gets forgotten about because there's a new hot story comes to fruition. Uh, here's the thing. The Leafs, to me, are, as I said earlier, I'm not going to even think about them until the postseason. Like, if they fall apart in the regular season and don't make it, then I'll pay attention. But I think they, there's the potential for that. But there's, Well, I'll tell you, the most fascinating team to watch this regular season is the Boston Bruins. And I don't even think it's close. Because the Boston Bruins just went from having one of the greatest teams yeah. in NHL history that lost in the first round of the playoffs had everybody leave and is now going to try and fill the gaps with James Van Riemsdyk, Milan Lucic. Mm-hmm. I could go on and on. And who are their centers? Morgan Geeky who is their, their 3C. Center? Right now, Pavel Zaka, Charlie Coyle, and Morgan Geeky. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's not going to happen for the Bruins. I actually don't find them all that compelling because I don't think they're going to be very good. But they've still got Marshawn and Pasternak. Yeah. And Charlie McAvoy. Mm-hmm. And the best goalie tandem in the NHL last year. It's I I think well, like they, when Blackburn was on, he said they'd probably be like a bubble team. I think that's probably what to expect. Yeah, I, I don't think, expect very much from them. No, I mean I really they might don't. squeak into the playoffs. I, I don't think that'd be surprising. I think that they are they there is potential here, potential here for this to go 
like cataclysmically wrong. And that thing that would be is one or two injuries because they can't afford an injury to a key guy because they're so so weak everywhere else. If Carolina was in a bigger, more hockey-mad market, they would be compelling to me. Carolina's in the Toronto conversation for me. It's wake me when the playoffs start, and then if you do anything there, that'll be great. Yeah. They're just right? such a good team, but they can just never seem to get over the hump the th- in the playoffs. The reason I said Boston is because if it goes bad, and there is the potential to go bad, mm-hmm. you have to take a look at this group and be like, yeah, what are we going to do are we doing this? here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brad Marchand, I know we just named you captain of the team, but you're also on the wrong side of 30. Like, doesn't Shifley to Boston make so much sense it's ridiculous? It does if you think that what you've got left in Boston is worth trying to rehabilitate, well, I think rejuvenate, they, and revive. I think they will because I think they, they're already, like, pot committed with the contracts they gave to Pasternak and McAvoy and uh, Lindholm on the back end, right? Like they, they still got really good pieces there. Yeah. But it's hard to look at this team and say, can you survive the year after losing Bergeron and Krejci? We're not just talking about two random guys or two very good centers. We're talking about maybe the best defensive player in hockey because that's what Bergeron was when he left. And also, if you believe in this sort of stuff, the face, the culture of the franchise. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. Yeah. You've tasked Brad Marchand with a lot now. Mm-hmm. And make no mistake, the sting of losing to Florida last year can really go either one of two ways. Either it can inspire this group, and like we were talking about with Edmonton and their loss to Vegas, add fuel to the fire, or you look at it as the breaking point. They had this great regular season team, and then that happened, and it fractured the group. And maybe Montgomery got outed as not necessarily the greatest coach in a head-to-head matchup. I mean, the criticisms were out. The knives were out. And I do so. That's my answer. Is I think Boston's going to be a team that their legacy moving forward and where mm-hmm. they pivot as a franchise could be solely defined by what happens this season. Although you could say same if Edmonton falls short again, you could say that there might be a pivot there. I mean, Ken Holland's not going to be long for that job after this year. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.